Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. All right, my friends, let me hear it. Christ is risen. risen Hallelujah. Amen. My name is Michael Hayes. I am one of the pastors here at St. John's, and I'm pumped to be with you here this morning. It is Easter. Easter at St. John's. And I've got a number for you. The number is 136. Anybody know what that's all about? 136. Who knows what the number is all about? This is the 136th year that we have been celebrating Easter at St. John's. Amen? Woo! In this city, in this county, in this state, we have been proclaiming the message of the resurrection of Jesus Christ year after year, and I love being part of that legacy and that story because it has literally changed the eternal trajectory of tens of thousands of people's lives, mine included, and yours as well. That is something to praise God for. Speaking of numbers, I got a a slide I want to show you. Does anybody know these numbers? Four, eight, 15, 16, 23, 42. Anybody know those numbers? Come on, what's it from? Lost, all right? I know that show ended like eight years ago or something like that, but I did a little informal survey this past week, and I asked people, what was the lousiest ending to a book that you've read, a movie that you've seen, or a TV show series that you Netflix binged on? And unanimously, I'm sorry, Pastor Trevor, he loved the ending, but most people unsolicited said the ending to Lost was just lousy. I had to agree. I I love the show, but I was just totally lost at the ending. You know what I mean? All right, all right. Have you ever had that, though? Like you read a book or you watch a movie or you go through a TV series and the ending comes and you're anticipating it and it is totally underwhelming. Totally disappointing, not what you expected. You ever had that before? Yeah, we we all have had something like that. Some people said that the movie Titanic was kind of like that. There at the ending, you've got Rose, right? She's hanging on this huge door paneling thing, and obviously Jack could have jumped on board with it, right? And he would have lived. Your love would have lived, okay? And so some people were really mad about that, and they even created this demotivational poster, Selfishness. You know what you did, Rose. (laughs) That's going a little over the top. Somebody's got too much time on their hands. One of my kids this past week, uh, I asked them this question too, and they just said, the ending of Stuart Little, it was just terrible. And uh, I never read it, but maybe. I remember reading a book in high school called The Grapes of Wrath, and I just couldn't get or understand the ending. Sometimes people change the endings, right? They're not satisfied, and, and they get changed. In fact, you know the original Rocky movie? The original Rocky movie, the ending called for uh, Rocky to lose the fight, and he would get some money off of a bet, and he could open up a pet shop for Adrian. I mean, come on, all right? Originally, The Return of the Jedi had Han Solo dying, but we all know that Han Solo dies in The Force Awakens, right? Come on. The thing about it is that we care how things end. And for a variety of reasons, when we're watching a show or reading a book or we're part of a TV series or whatever, we want them to end the right way. However, we define what is right. Beginnings and endings, they matter to us. Now, we as a body of believers, we as a church, we've been traveling through the gospel of Mark. And Mark, Mark is like an action-packed, fast-paced gospel. There are healings, and there's the calling of disciples. There's miracles. There's teaching on controversial topics. There are parables that are mind-boggling, stories of lives being changed, the baptism of Jesus, the transfiguration of Jesus. And Jesus, 
He's a radical, controversial, political, religious, challenging the status quo type of guy, type of leader. And he's bringing this new energy. He's bringing a new way. A revival seems to be happening in and around Jesus, in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, in Galilee, all over the world. And it's all culminating. It culminates in this political, religious, national, governmental angst and upheaval that we saw in chapters 14 and 15 of the Gospel of Mark, the passion of Jesus, the suffering. We've been unpacking that for the past six weeks, and on Friday night, we ripped it open on Good Friday, and it struck our hearts that Jesus was betrayed, he was denied, he was mocked, he was murdered, he was buried. And so now, here we are. Mark chapter 16. How's it going to end? Mark chapter 16, verse 1. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint Jesus' body very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise. They were on their way to the tomb, and they, they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, it had been rolled away. And as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side. And they were alarmed, but he said, don't be alarmed. He said, you're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go. Go tell the disciples, go tell Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And at this point, we're getting pumped up. How is it going to end? Well, the women, they're obviously going to go tell the disciples. They're going to go tell Peter. They're going to travel up to Galilee, right? And Jesus is going to meet them there, right? And it's going to be awesome, right? Wrong. Here's how Mark Ends his gospel, verse 8, trembling and bewildered, the women went out and they fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. What kind of lousy ending is that, Mark? The women are afraid. The angel told them to go and tell, but instead they flee and they don't say anything. He told them to go up to Galilee, but they don't. And worst of all, we don't even see in the Gospel of Mark the appearance of the resurrected Jesus so that he can confront the disciples' doubt and he can give them faith. Mark, don't you know how to write a gospel? And so actually people have struggled with the ending of the Gospel of Mark so much that they wrote alternate endings. It was not like Wayne's world totally, but kind of close. Some people added to the gospel because they couldn't handle the ending. There's this shorter alternative ending that kind of wraps things up nicely. And then there's this longer alternative ending. It kind of puts a nice theological bow on the, on the abrupt ending. And it tries to make sense and tries to make things nice and tidy. It kind of tries to follow the other gospel authors and evangelists. But when you read through them, it is quite obvious that Mark did not write them. I remember reading The Grapes of Wrath, and I just couldn't get the ending. I didn't like it. That is, until someone much smarter, someone more intelligent, opened my eyes and my thinking to see the profound nature and beauty of the ending. It was my wife, the good professor. She was right, as she always is. <clears throat> And she showed me the way. Could it be that Mark, could it be that Mark actually knows 
what he's doing. Or better yet, could it be that the Holy Spirit who inspired Mark to write the gospel wanted the ending to be just the way we have it? In fact, much, people much smarter and more intelligent than me have written volumes on the ingenious nature of the way Mark ends his gospel. You see, Mark didn't have writer's block. And Mark, he wasn't trying to meet some midterm paper requirement last minute, just sort of botch the ending and, and send it off to his professor. Mark, through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, knew exactly what he was doing. He left the story hanging on a moment of failure and disappointment for a reason. Why? Why would he do that? We could spend a long time talking about all the intricacies of it. It's pretty awesome, but there's a few possibilities. Maybe Mark is teaching us that our life as a Christian after the resurrection of Jesus, it might still have ambiguity in it. Or maybe he knew that no story of death and of resurrection could be all neat and tidy. Maybe it ought to challenge us. Maybe it ought to confront us. Maybe it ought to make us a little uncomfortable. Or maybe, just maybe, he believed that the story isn't over. And that the end is so shockingly open because the Holy Spirit is inviting us to jump in and take our part in the story. To get off the sidelines and get into the game. To get out of the passenger seat and get behind the wheel and drive this baby home. He wants us to enter the story ourselves. And since we've been following him all the gospel of Mark, we know that Jesus is the son of God. We know that he is risen. We don't need the women to listen to the angel. We're going to listen to the angel. We're going to go. We're going to go tell the disciples and Peter that Jesus is alive and he is risen. We're going to go up to Galilee. We're going to meet Jesus there just like he promised us. We're going to live this story out with our lives. You see, we know what the women did. They eventually listened. And the Peter and the disciples, they were reinstated. We know all that. That's why we're here almost 2,000 years later. But Mark. He wants us to see ourselves in the story. Mark is telling us that the story of what God is doing in and through Jesus Christ is not over. Mark is saying the story is just getting going, my friends. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is not a conclusion. It's not an ending. It's a beginning. It's an invitation. It's an invitation to new life. It's an invitation to a new way of being. It's an invitation to a new way of thinking. It's seeing the world through resurrection eyes. Jesus has triumphed over sin. Yes. Jesus died on the cross. Yes. He paid your debt. Yes. Your sins are forgiven. Yes. But there's more. Jesus rose victorious over death. He is the beginning of the new creation. And the new creation, that resurrection, entered smack dab into the middle of the old creation and all of the brokenness, and it brought us life. The gospel of Jesus Christ continues today, right now, as I am speaking to you, right now, as you are here in this house of God to worship the risen Lord and Savior. In Ephesians, St. Paul says the very power that rose Jesus from the grave is in us, at work within us, right this moment we're going to spend five weeks after this next five weeks talking about that what does that mean for us and i'm telling you i've been studying this a long time it's taken me such a long time just to begin to figure out this whole easter thing and that the resurrection of jesus isn't just something that we read about in the history books and there is no way 
We could ever compare the gospel of Mark and the work of God in Christ Jesus to man-made books and man-made movies and man-made TV series or Netflix binges. We'd be lost if we did that. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the culmination of history. It is the beginning of a whole new creation and reality for us. It is real power. It is real hope. It is transcendence, and it opens up a wide, whole new world of existence for us. It challenges our perceptions of reality. It challenges the foundations of our human experience. You see, that very first Easter, the women on the way to the tomb, they were confronted with two realities, two givens in their life. One, there's no way that they were going to be able to move this huge, giant tombstone, and there's no way that dead people come back to life. But when they arrived, everything that they thought to be true became untrue. The huge stone had been rolled away, and a dead man was alive. And so here we are, nearly 2,000 Easter's later, and I'm asking you, every single one of you in this room right now, you see that very first Easter, it was personal. It wasn't some general thing. It was personal. It was for Mary Magdalene. It was for Salome. It was Mary, the mother of James. It was for Peter. It was for the disciples, real people with real stories and real lives and real struggles and real life. It was personal then, and it's personal now for each and every one of you in this room this morning. What are some of the givens in your life? What are some of the things in your life that you know 100% from your human perspective that just absolutely cannot change? Some of you in the room, you're thinking, there's no way that my marriage can be saved. Some of you are thinking, there's no way I'm going to live a healthy life with what I have been through and what I have done. Some of you are thinking, there's no way I will reconcile with her or with him. There's no way I will find a job. There's no way I'm going to get through this conflict. There's no way I'm going to shake this addiction. There's no way I will ever believe you, pastor. There's no way I'll ever believe you, Mike, about what you're talking about, the resurrection and about Easter. There's something in your life and you're thinking, there's no way. The women at the tomb the very first Easter thought the same thing. Mark, and I challenge you to challenge your thinking right now. Don't be crippled by the fear of the women. I want you to hear the message of the risen Lord and Savior Jesus. I want you to know that you can rise up in the power of Jesus' resurrection that is in you now. That you believe in Jesus Christ. That in Jesus Christ and the fact that he is risen from the grave and the fact that the power that rose him from the grave lives within us right now. Because of that, the impossible suddenly becomes possible. Because of that, the unimaginable becomes imaginable. And because of that, everything that we thought could not be suddenly is. That's Easter, and that's the power of the resurrection. That's the message that Mark wants us to jive into, to entrust our whole lives with. I've got one more number for you. It's one, one. One, one. You see, the gospel of Mark, the Mark the evangelist, he told us from the very beginning that his whole entire gospel, all the way even to the quote-unquote ending, it was just Mark chapter 1, verse 1. It was just the beginning 
of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. The story continues. It continues in you. It continues in me. One day it's going to end. When Jesus comes again and we will rise with him in our king who conquered the grave and conquers the grave. But until then, we live right here, right now. And the message for us today is that the resurrection power is ours. And in Jesus Christ, we are made alive right here, right now. Grab hold of that promise and throw yourself into it. Amen? Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen.